When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon. National Signing Day is behind us, and it was a quiet one for LSU, as expected uh, by the time the clock struck midnight on National Signing Day to start the day. Uh, we knew it was going to be a quiet one. And Shay, let's jump right in here. LSU finishes with a top five class, according to the on three consensus, consensus and on three. They did miss on Jamel Howard. He ends up recommitting to Wisconsin, ending up with Luke Fickle, the big defensive tackle out of Chicago, just opted to stay closer to home. He even told me, he said, look, um, there just wasn't necessarily enough time. I ended up going back to my relationships. There was enough time for me to make sure Wisconsin was the right choice for me. But in the end, those long-term relationships with Luke Fickle and his staff, which dated back to Cincinnati, kind of paid off as well as just everyone around uh, Wisconsin, including current players that he knew. So LSU misses on Jamel Howard, uh, which, you know, look, kind of a uh, not highly ranked defensive tackle, but somebody that would have helped uh, in the depth perspective on that group. Um, so LSU signs no one on National Signing Day for the first time in program history, as you noted. Um, kind of share more on that because this could be the new normal. It could be. I mean, you say it's an easy way to put it. LSU signs nobody on National Signing Day, and they still have a top five class, which means a lot of people sign nobody on National Signing Day. We went into it, Billy, the, in the on three top 300, which are the top 300 recruits in the country. Only six were uncommitted going into signing day this week. So 2%. So um, you're now looking at in 2018 is that class is when the early signing period began. So that was Jamar Chase waited until February, a handful of others. And each year since they've had guys signed in February, Brian Thomas signed in February. Uh, last year, Jalen Davis Robinson signed in February. Uh, Trey Bradford, the running back had signed in February. So every year since 2018, Billy, they've had guys sign in February. It was just only one or two or three. This time there's none. And, Outside of Jamel Howard, who's a three-star out of Chicago that you noted kind of blew up late with offers, so he waited till February, ultimately stays home in the Midwest, commits back to Wisconsin after their coaching change. Everything, this is what they expected. They got their whole class done in December. All 25 signees were in. They won, won some signing day battles. They lost some that week, but the story had been written. Those 25 were in, and with the addition now, this is the first year we've had an NCAA transfer portal window, Billy, where in December to January, and largely after you signed guys, it really started in mid-December, and signing day was that next week, you can sign your whole high school class. You also know who's entered the portal on your own team. You know who's going pro. You know who's coming back. And you have a month to put together a signing class or more additions to your signing class through the portal, Brian Kelly's already announced and brought to campus 11 guys. So I feel like this, like in the before the portal window being right now, even they would have gone after the Jalen Davis Robinson types or 
I'll say a guy who they took as a preferred walk on Ryan Robinson Jr. out of New Orleans would have gotten a late offer or something like that. Now it's changed to where they say, hey, we're going to fill all the needs in the portal. And even though we do still have four or five, six open scholarship spots, we're going to continue to save those because you can recruit guys currently in the portal. You put up a story this week about Miami's uh, offensive lineman who's in the portal set to visit LSU uh, in the coming months. And then guys can go in in the May 1st to 15th window. That's the second portal window. So it's only two weeks, small, but guys will see where they stand in spring ball, maybe jump ship after that. um, And you can continue to balance your roster from there. So this is the first time they've never signed anyone in February. It won't be the last time. Yeah. And look, like you mentioned, the portal's still there. If you want to hear more about, you know, the Miami offensive lineman that LSU's after, definitely pick up a Bengal Tiger subscription. $30 $30 gets you locked in until September. You can also get a Founders Club hat still. Still got plenty of those. Um, I'm sure when I visit the office on Friday, they're going to try to pawn them off on me, but I am not checking those things back on my flight. So redeem uh, you know, your uh, subscription for a hat when you jump on board. That is still an offer out there. And I feel like we talked about it a little bit, but the portal for me, that's where you can kind of supplement some of these roster spots that you mentioned. They're still after offensive linemen, you know, especially on that interior. They'll see who pops up maybe in that May window at a linebacker spot, uh, maybe a safety. Uh, you, You have some options. You have some ways you can still address your roster. And the thing I like about it is if there is a one year player who you say, okay, well, that player's played um, either at a very high level for a lower level level team or has played a ton of football, wants a fresh, fresh start, wants to go to grad school somewhere. Maybe a one-year rental when you have, what, five scholarship spots uh, open-ish right now as it stands. You can go do those things, and they're so low risk versus, you know, somebody that you may be reaching on, even a Louisiana kid who might have been kind of a fringe offer guy, instead of locking him in, you know, a lot of times for four to five years on your roster, you can go out. Maybe you have a relationship somewhere and you can address other needs that are still out there on the roster with a one-year type of player. And here's what I think is going to be important moving forward when judging a signing class because LSU finishes top five, right? Great class. They addressed a lot of needs. They got a lot of great players. They got a couple five stars. But then you say, okay, well, Shay, did they did they address all their needs? Well, if I'm going to sit here and tell you, man, I think their biggest needs were D-line and corner. Well, then no, they didn't address them. They got a handful of edge rushers, maybe some guys who are versatile enough to play on the defensive line. And what, one corner, Jeremiah Hughes? So the answer would be no. But that doesn't mean they failed miserably because they turned around and in the portal of the 11 additions, five are D linemen, four are corners. And I look at that group and it's what, nine guys? I think all of them minus maybe J.K. Johnson started every game for the team they were on. Braden Swinson and J.K. probably started half the season. I feel better about that than I would a bunch of high school kids coming in and saying, man, we need them to do something right now because that's the case at corner. When you put it, I think you just have to move forward tying these two together. When you evaluate a signing class, it is What did you do with high school kids and what did you do in the portal? Because that's really where they addressed a lot of their needs. Exactly. I mean, you look at, you mentioned corner specifically, and they brought in Jeremiah Hughes. He's definitely going to play corner. You look at Ashton Stamps and Javian Toviano, 
could play corner, could very well uh, get some work in there. But really, they have safety traits to their game as well. You have Kylan Jackson at safety. You have Michael Doherty at nickel. You have some of those guys. But you look at bringing in somebody like a Denver Harrison. Yeah, you can look at what happened to College Station and say, okay, hopefully he works out. Hopefully he stays on the right path. But Denver Harris, over anyone they could have reached on. He's a first-round pick. Or late offer, if he puts it together and you've seen some tape out there at the college level in the SEC, that's a sure thing. Like, no disrespect to Jeremiah Hughes or any of the guys that they signed, but you're sitting there saying, for all of these players, really, how will they make the jump to the college level? You have proof with some of these guys they've picked up in the portal that they can do it, some at various various levels of success, but you have that college tape. You know what they're about at the college level. You can do more research versus you think you know a kid he could get to campus and not be the guy you thought both on the field and off the field. So I like that about the portal is you can kind of minimize some risk. It is tough. I think when we look at guys in Louisiana and we can go down the list of guys, this cycle really that, wow, they were probably really close. They were close to offering, but they didn't because the portal's there. And that goes for colleges really across the country. I'll uh, let's play a game here. Let's see if you can beat the people at home. Who is, they signed 11 players from the portal or added, they don't really sign them, enrolled 11 players from the portal. Who is the only player in the portal that they added that did not start a game last year for their college team? This is not your podcast cutting out. I'm running down the list of players. There's some people at home who got it right away, probably. Would it be a... Jalen Lee or Denver Harris? Uh, no, Jalen Lee started three. Denver Harris started six every game that he was a part of. Yeah. You're on the right track, though. You're on the right conference track. I, I'm going to hate myself when... when oh, you're, you are. He's the only player on this side of the ball that they even took. Oh, Aaron Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> so Aaron Anderson redshirts. He was hurt and didn't yeah. start any games. You could argue that he's this one number one or two behind Denver Harris of the yeah. best additions of anyone they got. So that's how you know you feel good about it. Everybody started except one guy, and that one guy is probably one of the guys you feel actually best about out of everybody. 100%. I like their and another little fun tip for uh, the trivia folks out there: they took a power or they took a player from every Power Five conference, and then one from the FCS in Zai Alexander out of Southeastern. I, I think Zai could be a guy that really surprises. I know it's been a mixed bag when you grab FCS guys, but his length, his like athleticism, multi-sport profile, he just is one of those that kind of slipped through the cracks um, for whatever reason on both the college evaluation and our side of things too. So I, I think Zai has a chance to really surprise some people this fall. But uh, Shay, we do also have some uh, fun aspects of this podcast to continue on. We move from trivia to superlatives. You drops a superlative article uh, for every signee from the high school ranks for LSU. That's at thebengaltiger.com. Check it out. Again, seven-day free trial before $30 gets you locked in until September on that uh, quote-unquote annual deal. Shay, this group, we're going to kind of expand this into more of a broader scope. Um, you gave the superlatives for the signees. Uh, but let's let's start out with, with a little bit of fun. Who was your biggest hit of the cycle? Who was the guy that stands out to you the most um, for whatever reason as far as uh, LSU hitting on this target 
and landing him and signing him in the 2023 recruiting class out of the high school ranks. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm cheating and I'll just choose one of the highest ranked. I, I will say Deshaun Womack because you went Lance Hurd, who they signed out of Neville, five-star, number two offensive tackle in the country, must get, right? Like, great addition. He's in Louisiana. You had an early offer out to him, all that. They had to go out and get Deshaun Womack with a new coaching staff. So that's a five-star. That's a top 12 player in the country on on three, regardless of position. That's one of the best edge rushers in the class, which is one of the most valued positions you can have uh, in the SEC, certainly. Instant impact guy will play next year. So, yeah, I'll choose Deshaun Womack. And largely because they had to, I'm voting him over her because they had to go far away to get him. So that's a, a big hit. So I, I would say I, I'm torn on mine. And that's mainly because, you know, you have Deshaun Womack, who, you know, they ended up having to hold off Georgia multiple times uh, to, to sign him. Uh, and he is kind of that five star that, uh, you know, one that stands out the most. The biggest hit for me, though, and I, I view recruiting cycles in a way and recruiting classes that in partly in this light, LSU has its top five class. It's a very good class. But how did they do when they went out and had their list of targets and they said, all right, we're going to target these guys. And those are the ones we're going after. Those are our top ones. How did they fare? And I guess this is kind of more of a coaching staff grade. How did they fare going after those top targets and if you look at brad davis for example i mean he hit on four of six the six top targets you know chase basantis and tj shanahan you know ended up going elsewhere i'm not that high on tj shanahan i think lsu got the better end of the deal but you know he did very well to kind of build off of that in the biggest hit department um i am part of me wants to go and say jv and toviano and and that's going to be my final answer at least because Texas, Texas A&M, um, Georgia was in the final picture. Oregon, Michigan had him up for a visit. A lot of these schools had it, did a really good job recruiting him, really were after him hard. But LSU, in the end, you know, lands him just like everyone expected them to. And it wasn't necessarily close. And that's kind of similar to Deshaun Womack. It wasn't close. They got him on board. Um, you know, they got JV and Toviano late in the class, but Deshaun Womack ended up not being close. Georgia was coming hard, but LSU had him in their grips and they weren't letting go and it wasn't close. Um, but you look at JV and Toviano, he's kind of the same way. You know, they held that momentum and they never faltered in an, for an in-state kid in Texas that Texas and Texas A&M both wanted. They both wanted him to come on campus. Didn't end up even happening. He just signs with LSU. That is a huge hit. That is as impressive as a job um, as Deshaun Womack is. That's right up there with the top three overall jobs on a recruitment that I think LSU did all cycle, in my opinion. Um, they get a little bit more credit with guys in Louisiana, I think, being able to keep them at home. And it just kind of works out, um, even though this cycle is kind of weird on that front overall. But you go into a neighboring state with a prospect that's so highly touted and you lead basically from the end of summer all the way through wasn't it, it was there were schools that were challenging there were schools that were trying to make it hard on him not to go to lsu but lsu just fended them off left and right um and so i think jv and tobiano is the biggest hit in the class in that regard and i'll give an honorable mention maybe two um out to jalen brown uh who didn't end up visiting anywhere else kind of same story you got to give cortez hankton a lot of credit on that one and then i'll say wit weeks as well 
Georgia wanted him. Oklahoma wanted him. Ole Miss wanted him. I mean, those are schools, especially in Georgia and Oklahoma. You have Brent Venables and you have the back-to-back national champions wanting this kid, and especially for Georgia in-state, a Georgia legacy. LSU got him on board early, and he never wavered. I mean, I know his brother's on the team, but Witt was one of those leaders in the class, uh, had a terrific senior season. We bumped him all the way up into uh, 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 the number 110 overall and top 10 linebacker. That is a really good recruiting job as well for Matt House, who also flipped Christian Brathwaite. So I'll give some honorable mentions out on that front as well. I was going to – I thought when you let off with the your monologue there about <laughs> ordering your board and all that, I thought for sure you were talking about Wit Weeks because if you think about it, Billy, we can think back over the summer when they weren't getting Tackett Curtis, they weren't getting Jaden Osbury, and we would talk to LSU sources and they would say, well, we're, we're all in on Wit Weeks. And he was a three-star, lower-ranked guy. His brother was on the team. We hadn't even seen his brother play at that point. He, this was over the summer. He had just come in from Virginia. And we had sources telling us, no, Whitweeks is better than those guys. He's better. We like him more. And it just sounded like, yeah, mm-hmm. Okay, coach speak. Like, you're not getting the two Louisiana kids, so you're pumping up this other guy you got. Well, what do you know? I'm looking at the on-three rankings right now. They went final. Whitweeks is the number nine linebacker in the country. Tackett Curtis, the number 19. And Jaden Osbury, the number 21. So when the dust settled, LSU was right. They said, here's our order. We've got Whitweeks the highest. He ultimately does finish the highest in the recruiting rankings with a really great senior year. So yes, that that's one I would totally agree with. Big, that's a nice, nice hit. Yep. Now uh, we got to bring the mood down just a little bit, but this is kind of, it's not fun to talk about from the LSU sense, but it is always interesting to see where prospects go that don't end up at LSU, whether they were commits, whether they were top targets. Uh, we're going to kind of do a miss loss, a biggest miss, biggest loss uh, part of the pod. Now uh, this is where it can kind of get interesting we both talked before. We have the two obvious losses, uh, I think, when it comes down to it. And then we'll, we'll kind of do a, uh, you know, the biggest miss as well, just target that one elsewhere. So you want to lead off on this one because this was a recruitment that uh, I went out, saw the young man, uh, had contact with his mom, and obviously he goes elsewhere. But um, go ahead, Shay, take it over. Which word are we doing first, the loss or the miss, or both at the same time? Let's do the loss. Let's do the loss first. Okay, loss means they were once committed. I'll go Dale and Austin. I mean, it's they. Uh, we mentioned they signed one true high school corner, and Dale and Austin is a top 10 to 15 cornerback in the country and a return guy, and he had a really good senior year, which I think is a nice indicator of some future success in college. Um, maybe my answers mitigated a bit because they got four corners out of the portal, including Denver Harris. But still, I thought that like that day when signing day, when everyone is freaking out that Desmond Ricks was going to Bama and not LSU, very quietly, Dalen Austin flipped to Oregon because people were like, well, we knew he was going to. It was trending that way. Y'all were telling us he was probably flipping and they didn't even care. And the reality was Dalen Austin might be just as good as Desmond Ricks, at least in the short term. So I'll go Dalen Austin. And I'll add on Dalen Austin too, that, uh, you know, we talked about biggest hit and how well you can, uh, you know, target someone and get them I mean, Oregon. You got to give them credit on that. They quietly worked him. He was on campus a couple of times, his old trainers up there, but you know, his mom even said, we're, we're, we're signing late. We're signing late. I mean, lo and behold, Oregon gets him and I'm, pretty sure he had rolled early too. So um, just a total just masterclass on how to 
get a kid late kind of reminded me of uh, like Rakim Jarrett when he uh, ended up flipping away from LSU all those uh, years ago and LSU got the better end of that one. We'll see on Daylon Austin. Uh, my biggest uh, loss, uh, Deron Reed, nothing LSU could do on this one, uh, but obviously position of need uh, at defensive tackle is just one of those. Um, you always hear about the South Georgia uh, Auburn group that that's in there. And uh, boy, they, they, they certainly locked in and, and had a top target at, at Carver high school in, in Georgia. And um, you know, he made those visits. He was, you know, at Auburn a good bit. He was right down the street um, and they didn't even have a coach and he flipped. And so that just tells you there was nothing really else you could do, but as far as needs and as far as talent, uh, that was a big, big loss, I feel like, in the recruiting class. And obviously, you know, Jamar Kane has to hit on defensive tackles next cycle. I think, you know, if he would have been able to see Auburn uh, coming that hard that late, uh, maybe he doesn't even move on uh, Duran Reed as as a top target um, because LSU surged uh, from the you know spring into the summer, uh, beat out Ohio State, beat out Clemson, beat out Auburn. Uh, but in the end, uh, again, LSU couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and he goes to Auburn. So a big loss in that respect and and one that now uh, makes defense tackle an even bigger priority in 2024. Who's your biggest uh, miss of the cycle? I mean, I'll go realistic because like I could say Arch Manning because he's in Louisiana, but he was not ever going to go to LSU. I'll stick in Louisiana and I'll say Derek Williams. He was safety. I felt like was a need. He was a very highly ranked safety throughout the whole process, a top five safety type player. Um, I know they signed a top five safety in Toviano, but you'd love to have a couple of them at least. And Kyle, Kyle and Jackson, they signed some good safeties. But I just feel like being in-state, Derek Williams was the one in my mind, like of the Tackett Curtis, Jaden Osbury, Arch Manning, Eli Holstein, these highly ranked guys that were going to leave the state. I thought he was maybe the one that was set to leave the state that they could reel back in or that maybe they could get him not to commit to Texas over the summer. And uh, ultimately didn't happen. He goes to Texas, but I'll go Derek Williams as my uh, miss. Uh, part of me wants to go Jaden Wayne, but obviously LSU signed Deshaun Womack. Um, I, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Dante Moore. And here's why it's kind of one of those things where look, LSU had him on campus. There was a bunch of buzz around the Tigers in March. He was in for an official visit early on in the process. Maybe you wish that one would have uh, been, you know, back in June or something. But uh, obviously one that NIL probably got a little out of hand on, I would say, in the end. Uh, but I saw him at the All-American Bowl in um, in Texas. And, um, I mean, he finished as a five-star for a reason. I mean, that 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 dude is, is awesome. Um, and I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. And, you know, goes to Oregon, coach leaves. Kenny Dillingham doesn't even, you know, get to bring him to Arizona State because UCLA swoops in and gets him. So that's one looking back, you know, maybe uh, the recruitment was a little bit, you know, maybe there was more of a crack in the door uh, to get him. And um, to have a quarterback like that, especially now that Walker Howard is gone, uh, would have been, you know, huge uh, for LSU, I think. And, and Ricky Collins has some upside. He finished as a four-star for on three. Uh, but Dante Moore, I mean, winner, uh, at, you know, multiple times, uh, just put it together at all the big stages. Uh, he's awesome. And um, gosh, I know uh, also wish wish we would have seen uh, Jackson Arnold wait a little while and given LSU a chance, that's for sure. But uh, those are the biggest losses, the biggest hit, uh, the biggest misses and the biggest losses. Um, let's just uh, finish up with these as far as our super superlatives here. Who's your best position group? 
Um, if we're only doing high school, the O-line, because Brad Davis kept the two best O-linemen home in a five-star in Lance Hurd, and then Tyree Adams out of St. Aug, who big wingspan, like has NFL measurables, we'll just have to develop and put it together. And you see that often. That's the kind of guys you want to go after. I mean, he's well-built, isn't like he's got a bunch of fat on him or anything like that. So I like him as a prospect. And then they went into Georgia, which is one of the most talent-rich states you can recruit in, and they got two more offensive linemen. DJ Chester, you mentioned being a huge one, four-star. He got a bunch of accolades. But Paul Mabanga is a really interesting ad because he was a former soccer player. He's only been playing O-line a little bit. Um, Sadiq Charles, if you'll remember him, took kind of that same route, was a high school soccer goalie, and then started playing O-line late in his career, ends up going to the NFL. So I think that they drafted four guys who have NFL potential, and one of them, like Azalean's heard, could be a first-round pick. Uh, so for me, O-line, definitely. And then I'm going to go with with wide receiver um, to and look, you know, bit of bit of homegrown talent. Um, and then also you go out of state in, in two different states and very highly competitive states uh, for both of the prospects they got. Um, you land Shelton Sampson, huge deal, um, top 100 player out of Baton Rouge um, uh, and a really good kind of raw prospect. I mean, he has all the tools and potential to be one of the greats. And he'll have to put it together. He was he's kind of up and down, had a really good senior season, but also had moments where, um, you know, you see that potential rather than that, that um, you know, true uh, production. And then goes to Under Armour and kind of the same thing. Very, very talented player. Uh, a lot of programs wanted him. Uh, they were after him, trying to get him in there. It was a little sketchy here and there, but um, LSU locked him in, got him on board early. That was huge. Um, then in Louisiana, kind of another versatile piece, uh, Kai Prian. Uh, signing with LSU out of uh, St. James. Uh, he's a four-star. He's got potential again. Uh, he missed some time as a junior. He missed a little bit of his senior season at St. James, but was still highly productive. He could be one of those sleeper wide receivers we look back on, like a Dre Jenkins or a DJ Chark that kind of comes around uh, at LSU and finds themselves and, and reaches their potential. Um, again, with him kind of just continuing to put it together uh, overall is, is what we're kind of looking for. And he kind of has like a stocky build. He, he could even you know, line up at running back at times. I really believe that. Or maybe he's even a safety. But he's an interesting athlete um, at the wide receiver position for sure. And then you get into Kyle Parker, somebody they offered pretty late uh, as far as where he was at in the recruiting process. Texas was on him. Louisville was on him. Louisville made a huge push. Um, and LSU got him on, on board for a visit. And I don't think he ever even made the Texas visit. Uh, he locked it in. His family's from Louisiana originally, and uh, he is a an explosive slot player. Um, shout out Hester on the board. Uh, you know, always uh, bringing him up as somebody who's underrated. And as far as polish, as far as guys who are ready to compete right away, uh, Kyle Parker's right up there. He's got those tools as a slot um, to potentially be uh, in the mix early on for playing time. I know they added Aaron Anderson. They have a bunch of receivers coming back, but that polish will help him at the next level. And he could factor in in the punt and kick return games as well. Had multiple uh, of those taken back to the house as a senior at Lovejoy in, in Texas. And Texas didn't give up on him either, but he signs with LSU and he's on campus now with Jalen Brown, who I think is probably the best receiver in uh, LSU's recruiting class. I just feel like with his top end speed, his competitiveness, that was something that really impressed me at the All-American Bowl in, in San Antonio watching him was he wanted the reps. He wanted uh, to show what he could do and show that, 
you know, his senior season when he had some quarterback troubles wasn't really what, you know, you're getting in him. He wanted to show that he has the speed, which he did. He wanted to show he has the hands. It was solid for most of the week, um, had some drops here or there, but, you know, he made plays. He got open. He was really productive all week in San Antonio against the best of the best. So um, I think that receiver group has really solidified the future of that room uh, for years to come. So when we talk about all this, then we're officially turning the page. 23 class is done. 24 classes here. Convince me otherwise of this because people will say, okay, we don't need to dive into a million names right now. I just got done remembering and learning all the names from the last class. When you go through all of this and you think about the current roster, I go through on offense and I think quarterback, well, they've already got Colin Hurley committed. Running back, well, they've got six guys in the room. And I know in the back of my mind, 2025, the next class in Louisiana has two to three, maybe top five, 10 running backs in the country. So I move past it. Tight end, you just signed three. Wide receiver, you just signed four and you've already got a bunch of talented ones. O-line, you signed four, you're doing that every year. I go right back to defense and say, well, they need D tackles. They probably need young corners. They need some young linebackers. So for me, the needs kind of remain the same as what they were to end the 2022 or three cycle. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I, I've got one of my friends uh, works for Blue Norther, Hard Seltzer in Austin. Check them out if you're down in the Austin area. But we got a drink, Shay, because uh, you mentioned defensive tackle. And yep. um, <laughs> that is uh, definitely one of those top needs. And I, I feel like as, you know, Mason Smith gets into his draft year, Makai Wingo gets older, you have some guys coming up behind them and you've added some depth to the transfer portal. But you're right. The needs remain the same. Defensive tackle is the one that stands out to me the most. I just think it's it's time for that next elite defensive lineman, um, maybe in Louisiana, to end up at LSU. Um, they have Dominic McKinley now on the offer list out of Acadiana. That was a big one that was dished out. He looks like um, everything you'd want in terms of drawing up a defensive tackle. They're also on Demirian Johnson, Melvin Hills. Not going to get into a ton more names beyond that, but they're also in on some others out there nationally. And that's the group that stands out to me the most. The other one I would say is probably safety. It's good when Louisiana gives you those players. That's when LSU, by design, should usually be locked into a top 10 recruiting class based purely off just taking Louisiana guys. Whatever you can do outside the state is what pushes you into top five. They actually finished top five, Billy, now for five of the last four or four of the last five cycles. They've been in the top five. The only time they weren't in the top five was last year when they only signed 15 high school kids because they were going through the transition. I think they finished 12. But when they've been taking full classes, they've been top five every year. So uh, that's the beauty of being in Louisiana and taking what Louisiana gives you. And they will give them defensive tackles. Uh, speaking of what Louisiana has in 24, we've got our first domino about to drop. LCA, quarterback. But really, everybody who's recruiting him is recruiting him as a cornerback, um, but plays quarterback in high school. Juwan Johnson, phenomenal athlete. We've talked about him on the pod already. I think we talked about him this week, maybe. Uh, some on the pod, but he's announcing Saturday, Colorado, Florida, LSU. I kind of view this one. This is how I would tell LSU fans to view this from what we've heard behind the scenes, Billy, who we've talked to all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, Juwan said he always wanted to announce in February. Okay. Well, 
He also hasn't visited LSU in a month. He visited all these other schools. And then coming off a Colorado visit to Coach Prime, he says, I'm ready. I'm doing it. It's going to be Colorado, Florida, LSU. In LSU's mind, it's, all right, why are you doing it right now, right after Colorado? Are you, you're going to Colorado right now? Is that what, is this what, where we're trending towards? So he basically with the, a public heads up gives LSU a week to know, okay, you're ready to go public. If it is Colorado, we're recruiting you throughout the whole week. It won't matter. But when we talk to sources, it's, we may get them Saturday, but we will get them in December. And the line of thought there being we're 10 months from signing day, Billy. And if Colorado and coach prime is going to put his, his tentacles across the whole country and try to be grabbing guys. If they're coming into Louisiana to grab a top guy right now and they get him to pop, great. That kid still has to live in Lafayette for the next year. That kid's still going to be on our campus a lot over the next year. That's what makes it tough for out-of-state schools to get Louisiana kids, especially when it's that far out-of-state, uh, let alone if um, the notion of what if Colorado's not good at football next year or you know what does their recruiting class look like? So. My advice to any LSU fans this weekend would be if he commits now, awesome. He's one of the five, probably top five players in the state. If he doesn't, it's not signing day. You got 10 months to figure that one out and you get to entertain yourself with a LSU versus Colorado battle. All these LSU fans were just watching the Colorado stuff happen and Dion and, you know, Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter's transferring and it's all fun and games until Dion comes to your backyard and says, Hey, I want one of your kids. Now it's going to be uh, you might get to watch it play out over a 10 month period. Yeah, and as much as you want him to commit on Saturday and and you know not have to battle Colorado for the next 10 months, there's a very real shot he ends up committing to LSU on Saturday. We're not trying to rule that out just yet. Talk with some sources. There's still some optimism out there. There's still some thought that he could very well end up at LSU. It is a school he has visited far more than any other program uh, out there, but we will see. Um, we'll continue to track that one. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, National Sign Day is just in the books for the 2023 class, but this four-star athlete, Jawan Johnson, is making that call on Saturday. Jump on the board. Follow it with us. Sam Spiegelman's been all, all over it, our national guy as well. Um, he's been you know, in contact with various sources, so we've got a good pulse on kind of where things stand, and we'll, we'll definitely know more, I feel like, on this one. You know, Friday night, that's kind of when I feel like they'll have to have it finalized. It's a 1030 a.m. Central announcement uh, from his high school. Um, so we'll be tracking this one, but LSU's not out of it. You know, as we saw with Sage Ryan, we mentioned that one. They're going to battle. They're going to battle it out um, and certainly go after these LCA kids that they have you know, multiple on the roster now and, uh, you know, try to get this one on board. They're not going to give up and, you know, they don't want to see him commit to Colorado, even though they know that they're going to have a shot to get them over the course of these next 10 months. They want to, you know, get them on board and start recruiting for LSU if they can. So um, this one's going to be interesting, but I wouldn't count LSU out just yet. Um, we'll have more, more on the BengalTiger.com on that one as we get it, um, as it is shaping up to be an LSU-Colorado battle, at least until Saturday, maybe beyond. Uh, we'll be tracking it as well. Well, uh, Shay, do you have anything else on uh, 2024? Any parting thoughts as uh, we await uh, the beginning of that recruiting cycle to really heat up? No, uh-uh. I'm done. I need a break. 2023 is done. Even no signings this week was not enough for me. But I will note, we are in a dead period until basically the end of February. So kids will not be on campus. Coaches won't be on the road. So um, offers will go out. Kids will be on the phone with the coaches. But in terms of 
on-campus visits. We're done with that for a few weeks, four weeks maybe, and then right back at it. Yeah, and and be ready. As soon as March hits, big junior day at LSU. I just posted on the board that one of the top offensive linemen in the country will be in Baton Rouge, one of Brad Davis's top targets in the class of 2024. Uh, set his uh, first visit uh, when the dead period ends. It'll be to LSU, so go check that out as well. That news just dropped on the board. For Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. Time to sign off. We're putting 2023 to bed. We'll be back to look back on this class, I'm sure, years down the road and obviously track them as uh, they make their way to Baton Rouge to begin their careers. But as far as the 2023 recruiting class, it's tucked away, in bed. It's done. So for Shay Dixon... I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are just a couple dozen away from hitting 3,000 subscribers. Just letting you guys know about 55% of you guys watch our show, but don't subscribe. So hit that button and get it locked in uh, as a subscriber uh, for our YouTube channel. Appreciate all you guys that do. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week with another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. Have a good one, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.